This is the story of the girl who was unstoppable, Louise Sauvage, read by champion surfer Stephanie Gilmore. Warning one. Don't ever ask Louise Sauvage what's wrong with her. Warning two. Believe Louise Sauvage when she says that something is wrong. Warning three. Don't ever tell Louise Sauvage she can't do something. Now, let's roll. What's wrong with her? The nosy lady gawked at the girl with the strange metal things on her legs. Calipers, they were called. They were supposed to help her walk. The girl crossed her arms and frowned at her mum. What does she mean, what's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with me. Her mum grinned proudly and patted her on the head. That's right, Louise, she said. There's nothing wrong with you. You're a champion. Suitably embarrassed, the nosy woman slunk away. Louise Sauvage didn't like the word wrong. Sure, there was something about her that wasn't quite the same. Those metal things on her legs, for instance. But that was just the way it was. Tell me again why I need these things, Mum. Louise couldn't remember. It happened when she was a baby, after all. But she was born with a condition called myelodysplasia. Try saying that five times super fast. It meant she wouldn't be able to use the lower half of her body like most people did. Her mum recalled the terrifying moment when she saw her baby for the first time. One leg was trapped underneath your body, she said, and the other was over the top, right up to your shoulder. Ouch. Louise was glad she couldn't remember that part. There was no explanation for her condition. She was just the way she was, just because. That didn't stop people from trying to fix her. Before her eighth birthday party, Louise had already had 22 operations. They operated on her hips, her feet and her spine. She knew every inch of the hospital walls, but could hardly remember the inside of her classroom. Getting around became complicated. She tried laying belly down on the skateboard, pushing herself along with her hands, kind of like a clumsy turtle. Some doctors had a theory that it was best to at least try walking. So she clomped along with plasters up her legs, iron splints and crutches. But all of the contraptions were more of a hassle than a help. She walked at the pace of a snail, all straight-legged, with a stiff back and chest. Enough is enough, Louise thought to herself. She fronted her doctor, demanding that he let her try a wheelchair. Whee! It was love at first wheelie. Finally, she could keep up with the other kids. Louise was on a roll, and that's where she'd stay. Her wheels gave her speed on land, but she was also a bit of a fish. Her mum had put her in swimming lessons as a toddler, for just for a bit of exercise. But before long, Louise was flying across the pool like a motorboat. She was sports mad, a natural. Everyone told her that she could go pro. Australia did tend to be the home of super swimmers. Then, Louise's body stopped cooperating. Her spine was curving and she needed two operations to straighten it. 
She pulled on the familiar butler's hospital gown and daggy white shower cap, surgery fashion on point. She took a deep breath and blacked out. The surgeons placed a metal rod in her back with eight screws. The second operation was supposed to be easier. Another rod with a hook on the end. As soon as she woke, Louise knew something was wrong. And she rarely used the word wrong. It hurts, she said. The medical staff wouldn't believe her. But an x-ray showed the hook had come loose. Louise was right. Something had gone wrong. She spent four months bedridden. Four months flat. The nurses would flip her like a pancake every few hours. Worst of all, she couldn't play any sport for two years. Two whole years. That was real agony. When she made it back to the pool, her body had changed too much. Her fishiness was gone. But Louise wasn't the type of person to get upset. She still had her superhero upper body strength. She just had to figure out what to do with it. If she couldn't be the best at swimming, she'd be the very best on land. Louise started racing wheelchairs. She loved the feel of it. With every gust propelled by her turbo arms, she knew she'd made the right choice. She pushed and pushed some more. She got stronger and faster. She was as fast as an African black mamba, as fast as a roadrunner, the actual real life bird, not the cartoon. As fast as the best human sprinters with legs that worked. Louise Savage, Australia. It was no surprise to be chosen to represent her country at the World Championships for the Disabled. That was when she saw her, Connie Hansen, the greatest wheelchair athlete in the world. If I can beat Connie, I can do anything, Louise thought. Connie and Louise were pitted against each other in the 800 metres. With her head down and her arms pumping like pistons, Louise set her sights on the finish. As the line drew near and she propelled forward with the force of a jet, she realised that she was alone. Connie was behind her, eating her dust. From that point on, everyone feared Louise. She was unbeatable and a metal magnet winning gold in countless world titles, and then the pinnacle for wheelchair races, the Paralympics. Still, there was one competition she hadn't won, the Olympics, with no para in front. An 800-metre wheelchair race would be held at the Sydney Olympics as a special demonstration event. But not everyone was happy about it. Debate raged in the media. You can't win an Olympic medal if you have a disability. That's what the Paralympics are for. Was wheelchair racing a real sport? Should people who have nothing wrong with them be able to participate? The questions made Louise's blood boil. The fact some people thought she couldn't win an ordinary Olympic medal, that she didn't deserve one, that she had something wrong with her. Louise's hunger to prove the haters wrong was ferocious. The Olympics was the world's stage, her chance to show everyone how fast she could be, her moment. 
The roar of the crowd was out of control when Louise rolled into the stadium. She buckled her helmet, whispering her tried and true pep talk. You're here now. There's nothing more you can do to get yourself ready. You've done the work. You deserve to win the race. This is your race. Louise bent forward, nose level with her front wheel. Her chair felt like a part of her body, a powerful extension of herself. The gun blasted and she shot across the starting line, her hands moving like lightning. Louise was in lane one, Not a good draw, but she gritted her teeth until they almost cracked. She couldn't let the others block her way and box her in. Her head bobbed up and down with every monstrous surge. Her enormous guns flexed and pumped and pushed with more force than ever before. A quick glance backwards revealed she was out of reach. It was as if she was protected by a force field, radiating danger. No one could get close. Suddenly, two racers sped up, trying to isolate Louise on the inside. It didn't work. On the home straight, Louise was soaring. She could have sworn she was actually airborne. More than 100,000 people rose to their feet in the grandstands. They were the wind beneath her wheels. As Louise rolled closer and closer to the end, their roar grew louder and louder. She summoned up every last shred of energy, refusing to pull back even the slightest pinch. With a final fierce grunt, Louise crossed the line, a chair length ahead of the second place getter. Her arms dropped, heavy with exhaustion. The result blared over the loudspeaker. First place, Louise Sauvage, Australia. She found the strength to raise her arms in victory. But it wasn't just for her. It was for all of the races. Anyone who had ever been told there was something wrong with them. Louise and her rivals held hands and wheeled around the stadium together, absorbing all the colours and sounds. It was only when she rolled towards the podium for the medal ceremony that she was sprung back to reality. I'd like to remind you that this is a demonstration event, said the Olympic Committee spokesman. Her medal was about half the size of those given to the other Olympic athletes, the abled body ones, the ones who didn't have anything wrong with them. And then the crowd roared again. As Louise scanned the thousands of faces and saw the pride in their eyes, she realised that she was a real Olympian in the minds of the people who mattered the most. There was nothing wrong with Louise Sauvage. She was just the way she was, just because. She was a champion, and she had just won gold at the Olympic Games. How awesome was that? Thanks so much for listening to the story about the incredibly fierce Louise Sauvage. I'm Stephanie Gilmore, and I'm six times world surfing champion. If you liked this episode, make sure you tell your fierce friends about it. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any other great stories like this one. Catherine, wake up, her mum yelled. You have to train. She opened one eye and looked at the homemade poster on her wall. 
I am the world's greatest athlete. She rolled over and groaned. Think of Anne-Marie, her mum said. You've got two good arms and two good legs. Use them. Anne-Marie was Catherine's older sister. She had cerebral palsy, which meant she couldn't walk or talk. Catherine threw back the covers and never complained about training again. Kathy Freeman, Australia. She leapt as the gun burst. Everyone was on her side. Their enthusiasm was carrying her across the finish line as she carried their hopes on her shoulders. The moment that Kathy Freeman has worked towards, that moment when she will stand on the highest position of the Olympic victory dais. She did it! Catherine medal. Astrid Salom Freeman had won an Olympic gold medal. Aboriginal and Australian flags waved throughout the crowd. She draped the flags together and waved them in the air. She smiled as she thought of Anne-Marie and giggled to herself as her words rang true. I am the world's, am the world's greatest athlete. How cool was that? I love that story. To hear it, subscribe to Fierce Girls wherever you get your podcasts or on the ABC Listen app. Never underestimate yourself and keep being fierce. Roll the credits. Fierce Girls is produced by a bunch of super fierce women. Its executive producers are Justine Kelly and Monique Bowley. It's produced by Laura McAuliffe and Rebecca Armstrong. The stories are written by the uber-talented Samantha Turnbull. Judy Rapley is the amazing audio engineer who puts in the cool sound effects like this one. Kelly Reardon is the boss who lets us make fierce podcasts like this one. Fierce Girls is a production of the ABC Audio Studios.